I don't. I honestly don't know because I've never made a vision board. She so slapped shit on a board. That's <laughs> what she did. I don't know. <laughs> I've never done tell. it. I don't know I if know. there's like directions. I need an assignment. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, that was the most Amy question I've ever heard in my life. Do you have directions for your vision board? Fucking no, Amy. <laughs> Thank you for understanding. I wa- I'm like, I'm not sure what you think. Like, did I? I mean, I guess. Like, I, followed, I followed a theme, though. I did have, like, one page that were just destinations. Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. I feel like I pitched that down. I should have been like, hey, everybody. It was a little bit lower than normal. That's a little somber. <laughs> you should be happy. Yeah, I should be happy. I have news. So Megan's back in banter band for this week. <laughs> after <laughs> milk banner she tried to get out of banter she tried to get out of banter jail and she i think we've moved her from like the holding cell and she's like now been like sentenced like i'm she's, like i'm like, like death know. row of banter jail. No, not yet don't say that not yet Trust not me. yet no a ways to go for that but okay. you're awaiting point, trial basically you're okay. you're in jail awaiting trial no, i convict her i convict her she's guilty <laughs> But I'm like willing to sentence her to like you know six months good be like pending good behavior. Okay. Neil is he feels very misunderstood. He thinks you guys are being very harsh. <laughs> he thinks his banter ideas are excellent. <laughs> you know what? I invite Neil next time he has a good banter idea mm-hmm. to come on and banter it himself. Right? I will challenge him to that as well. Yep. Because maybe it was just delivery. Not not that you don't have good delivery, Megan, but it was like a secondhand banter, <laughs> right? You're right. You're right. You're right. So maybe, maybe that's what I'm missing is like Neil's firsthand delivery. I am manifesting in 2023 to meet Neil because, you know, I don't know if listeners know because since we don't live near each other, we rarely see each other. Like it's been literally years, years. Mm-hmm. like four years since we've seen Megan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, yeah, Megan, when did I see you last? 2019. So we were in New York together, 2019. And Leah, I saw you 2021? Yeah, for an afternoon at Auntie Anne's uh, pretzel shop in the subway <laughs> in the basement of the, <laughs> in, the in the basement of the train station. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've never met Neil. And this would be a true delight to meet Neil. He loves you guys. Sometimes he'll be like, I'll, we'll like talk about something. He'll be like, well, what do the girls think? And I never know if he means like my college friends or or you guys. And a lot of times he means you guys. I hope he like doesn't trust my college friends. <laughs> I feel like we do need to bring Neil into the pod. All right. One of these days. At some point. But yeah. Extre- Leah, tell us about your news. Yeah. So my news is. Did you hear that? Yeah. We Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> In October, my middle child and myself are going to Seoul, Woo! which is very exciting. Woo! So exciting. Yeah. And I'm going to say that, like, we started the year off being like, what are we manifesting this year? So, you know, if you, I also learned there's a lot of manifesting podcasts out there. And a lot of them, I don't know if I subscribe to. I listened to them when I was like, not for me, but I don't also want to judge it because I don't want to like put the bad juju out. But I was like, there were some things I was looking to manifest and I made a vision board. 
I made a series of vision boards that I stapled into a little journal and I was looking at, and I stopped looking at it a couple weeks, like a week and a half ago, but I'm going to start looking at that shit again real fast. Because what happened was one of the pages I did was a picture of all the places that I want to go to. And in my series of pictures, one of the images was South Korea and primarily Seoul. And so, you know, I've been like, I have been wanting to go. My daughter's been studying Korean. I would just like to do this trip. I think it would be fun. I'm not really sure how we're going to make it work, but I'm just going to put it out there to the universe again that this year I want to go. And look, I understand that I'm coming from a place of extreme privilege here, (laughs) but my phone rang last weekend and it was my dad he's retired. He and my mom like to do like trips, bargain tour trips around. And he's like, I'm seeing a real good deal for South Korea. Do you want to go? Tell me because I'm going to book it right now. And I was like, um, sure. Like this doesn't feel very real, but like, yeah, I mean, of course I'd go to South Korea with you, dad. And like, yeah, that was it. Next thing I knew we had a ticket booked. So we are going for a very short trip. It is only, I think, going to be like six days on the ground, but I don't care. I was like, I would fly. If somebody else is paying, I'm flying for an afternoon. I was going to say, I would fly for a day. Honestly, yeah. I would. And what do I have? Yeah. 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 If, it, if it's more time in the plane than it is on the ground, if it's on someone else's dime. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, 100%. 24 hours of eating in Seoul. Like one of our listeners shared that with me. And I'm like, that looks, sounds like a fun 24 hours i could oh man on the plane so um that will be one of my days i believe will be myself eating for 24 hours so yeah i'll know more as it evolves i don't know what my plans are going to be um my parents are going to be doing kind of more of like i think some standard tours which is totally fine i don't know if anyone really wants to like i don't know yet and i haven't really decided like what i'm gonna do yet like do i want to do like see a lot of k-drama places do i want to go to a bunch of like art museums do i just want to sit like a happy pig and eat food i mean i don't have that much time so i've just kind of decided like what does i want this experience to be and i can just keep saving so that we can go again all together because we do have that plan still too you have to go to the abandoned amusement park at the very (laughs) least you have to go our listener sarah went to South Korea recently and she went to the abandoned amusement park from the sound of magic. And I feel like maybe she took that one for the team. <laughs> I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know. But Leah cafe Minam Dong was also there. Another one of your faves. <laughs> Look, I'm going to say, I just, I think I'm okay. Not like not on this trip. I'll save that for you. And I'll bring like, you know, a little pet, like a little stuffed parrot to bury in memorial. I want to go and sit on one of those horses on the merry-go-round so bad. Like I 100% and I would take like a million Instagram shots of me doing that. (laughs) I feel like my YouTube recommendations are like, I don't always are videos of uh, Korean street food, like the making of Korean street food. And it it just, it all looks so fucking good. (laughs) so jealous because i mean like street food sounds amazing honestly i want to just eat my ass at the convenience stores because i want to be like yeah i'm just used to our like janky 7-eleven and i'm yeah i want to see like you know i mean i know you have your wawas and i was gonna say she hasn't been to wawa can they compare i know i know wawa now (laughs) i am a changed woman wawa was high class in your opinion It's, I mean, way better than a 7-Eleven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't it's know. A, it's still a convenience store. Like it's, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm just curious. So anyway, I will be working on that in, in October. Um, yeah, that could be fun. Maybe I'll podcast from there with you all. And that would be very fun. <gasps> 
Oh, yes. oh, I would be so jealous. Um, so yeah, That's if anyone so awesome. has any must sees, because I'm going to basically, I mean, I can really go without sleep if I have to. And so, you know, like I'm ready to barge it. So people can send in recommendations and I will really just fill my calendar and go hard. <laughs> um, I do want to say too, another thing that like the three of us are, are manifesting is to do a trip where the three of us get together in person. We hope to do that like next year and be able to podcast in person for the first time. Oh, that would be so fun. I, I'm honestly so like fun. daydreaming about it. Like it would be so much fun to be able to like sit with you guys and chat like in per, you know what I mean? I know we see each other here, but it's still different. I just, it's different. It is. I mean, we used to long ago before the pandemic, we used to see each other once or twice a year. Yeah. Which was, I mean, those were, those were the, conferences like the writing conferences i looked forward to them specifically just to see mm-hmm. to see you guys and it's been so long like that was the last thing that i saw you at megan was a you know a writers conference and we just need to create our own conferences well now. and they don't even have i mean it's interesting too just uh, you know in the writer and publishing world just the conferences mm-hmm. have overall been less they just don't uh some of the big conferences that we always went to there is one called um rt book lovers convention it they just don't have it anymore And so it's a shame that we, yeah, we just don't, we're not able to see each other in person, but that is one thing that we're also trying to do. So Korea and podcasting in person, those are. (laughs) And Leah, I need to know, and we could talk about this off the pod too, but I am curious about your vision board. Like, did you follow any sort of format or did you just start slapping shit on paper and then put it in your journal? Like, did I make a spreadsheet to organize my vision board before? No, 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 didn't. Amy, I would like you to reflect on the question and I want you to give me what you think I did. I don't, I honestly don't know because I've never she made a vision board. She slapped shit on a board. That's what she did. I don't know. I I've never done it. I don't know if there's like directions. I need an assignment. Come on. I, that was the most Amy question I've ever heard in my life. You have directions for your vision board. Fucking no, Amy. <laughs> Thank you for understanding. I want again. I'm like I'm not sure what you think. Like, did I? I mean, I guess like I followed. I followed a theme though. I did have like one page that were just destinations that I want to go to. Okay. So, for example, I mean, I can share. There's nothing real private here. Well, no. And it, my question isn't just like how do you lay it out. Like, I'm not like, do you make a collage? <laughs> like. It's not that. It's more like the whole like process because I've never done it. The whole process of it because you said you stapled it into your notebook, but like you open it and you look at it every day. Like yeah, so I made it up is what I did, and at my work I I, I went on Canva and I just put pictures in of like I made a page that were like look you know I kind of thought about like life stuff and career stuff yeah. and then like travel stuff and then like well being stuff kind of like I thought thematically. And then I just slapped shit in and then I printed it. And then I was like, I don't know what to do with like five sheets of paper. And then I was like, I'm just going to staple it in this book and fold it in half. And then that worked real good. <laughs> and so I just <laughs> opened it up and I look at it and I, you know, light a candle and I rub it on my bosoms and I like douse myself in sage. <laughs> and you have to do all those things, make or Amy, for it to work. And then you howl at the moon. Rub it on your boobs. <laughs> Right. Do I have to do I have to do it while I'm menstruating? Because yeah. I don't like, under the full moon. <laughs> no menstruate no uterus is required. Good because I don't have one. Oh, yeah, anyway. 
man. Well, y'all know a lot about me now. I'm type A and have no uterus. Thank you. I'm Amy. Well, I mean, you had one at one time. I did. I don't anymore. And it grew two children. I don't miss it. But even if you have never owned a uterus, you can still manifest. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could substitute. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Masturbating, but So I've been, I've been like telling Neil about. I can do that still. <laughs> I've, I've been like. <laughs> you don't need a uterus to do that. I thought we were going to have boring banter today. Oh my God. <laughs> then that we said, we're like, we're like, Leah, talk about soul and we'll just see yeah. where it goes. <laughs> Like, because I've been like, I was talking to Neil about this. I was talking about manifesting, like, and how like the three of us have been talking about it and how I've been doing it. And I've been really, I've been getting into tarot and like affirmation cards and crystals. And (laughs) it's just like, we go through phases in our lives. And so like, of course, Neil is like, okay, he's not into that at all. But then he's, he's on this whole thing where he's like, he's like running and he's like, He's doing all this research about like breathing techniques. He started this thing where he tapes his mouth at night. Mm, and I know about that. yeah, because it's supposed to like help with his like breathing, but it's also like a. So that, you mean like while he yeah. sleeps or before? Yeah. He, so that he only breathes through yeah, his Yeah, but it's also really funny to like look over and he's got this like special like mouth tape. <laughs> <laughs> There's like me with my tarot and his crystals, him with his mouth tape. We are like the sexiest ever, let me tell you. <laughs> But it's just like, it's just funny because it's like we all do. It like makes me happy, though, that we can still coexist, even though we're like completely different. <laughs> like, because you know what you have in common? Milk <laughs> manner. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent banter. <laughs> okay, it all one, comes last, back. one last thing. Yeah. Skipping over milk matter and just returning back to masturbation before yes. we go. Sure. So. My kids are doing sexual health at school right now. And I was like, okay. And I was like, but just FYI, like I can learn you better in these matters than you're going to get at school. And they were both like, "Mm, I'd rather you did it. (laughs) And I was like, well, like too bad. Because this is like my favorite thing to talk about children. And I get them when I'm in the car driving. So I've got a minivan and they end up in the car with me. And they're a captive right. audience. And so I was like, well, let's, yeah, I'm like, oh, you don't want me to talk about sex with you? And it's like, you know, they're 12 and 14, the oldest. They're like, please don't. And I was like, okay, if you don't want me to talk about it, then you have to answer these questions to show me that you know enough that I don't need to worry about you. And they were like, no, please. And I was like, okay, question one, what is the safest sex you can have? I will not deign to answer their poor choice answers. But I will say they were incorrect. And I was like, the sex you have with yourself, my friends, <laughs> masturbation is the safest sex you can have. At which point they asked if they could be pulled, like, pulled over the man. And let them you mean they didn't just open the door and like tuck and roll? <laughs> and I was like, so there are resources out there about healthy masturbation that you can find. I can get you a book if you want. And my son was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. But I was trying to normalize just open questions. And here's the thing is, I think they don't like it because I mean, like who wants to hear about it from their mom? But at the same time, I feel like they were like, no, no, no. But they did have one. Oh, they definitely did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And at least now they know it's okay to talk about it with you, even if they never, ever want to again. Oh, I think they've always known. I think they just live in sadness of the days I choose to bring it up. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, Dane started asking me the other day. He was like, so like, none of my friends have read your books, right? And I was like, absolutely not. And he's like, okay. And he's like, so, but like when I'm in high school and I was like, uh, like, meaning he's like, when his friends are in high school, are they going to read my books? And then I was kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're readily available. Right. Someone's going to read. I would read your books. Yeah. I was like, I mean, oh boy, this is going to be fun. Especially because Dane is like really reserved and he's just like, hell no, it's going to be hard. One of my friend's dads wrote romance when I was in high school. And you can bet your ass I read his books, but they were Christian romances. Yeah. And so, like, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, but that was the same family. (laughs) Okay, last thing. And I'm really going to derail this. We need to get started because. I'm going to derail this badly and then I'm going to bring it back. I even know how to segue it. Okay. Okay. So, this friend, we went and had a sleepover at her house in high school. And we decided, being young teen girls, that what we were going to do was go to the video store and we were going to rent an adult movie and watch it in her basement together. But we were not 18. So we dressed up one of my friends like a crazy, quote unquote, older person. We just made her look crazy and told her she had to go into the back and get the movie. And she did. Like, I don't even know what she was thinking. She was in like a grandma wig and like a hat with flowers. We thought it was hilarious. So she picked out a movie called Edward Penis Hands. (laughs) And she brought it back. And we put it on in the basement and we turned on. None of us had seen like an adult movie before. And so it comes on and it's as you would imagine. If you've seen Edward's Scissorhands. <laughs> 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 and we were well, all were like, ah! yeah. And then we're like, gross, turn it off. And then I think we were like, let's go to Denny's. <laughs> did we, did we take the tape? out? <gasps> no. Did we actually stop the tape? No, we just turned off the TV. So her nice, sweet, like, very religious family came downstairs. We came back from Denny's and Edward Penis Hands was laying in the front yard. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was a big deal. And my segue is that Edward Penis Hands pays an homage to Edward Scissorhands, who is a dark and brooding, misunderstood (laughs) anti-hero. Which is what we're talking about tonight. With love between fairy and devil. Woo-hoo! Finally, <laughs> you just likened the Moon Supreme. Yeah, I'm <laughs> to Edward Penis Hands. <laughs> no, Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> no, but it goes. Yeah, it back. does. I'm it does go back. All right, Amy, take it away. <laughs> the fearsome Lord Devil. Dongfang Kinsong, played by Amazing Eyebrows, sorry, Dylan Wong, once ushered in a time of utter chaos in the realm of gods, defeating entire clans and mercilessly vanquishing foes at the head of his fearsome moon tribe. One of the young women from the defeated army is reborn as an orchid fairy, Xiaolan Hua, played by Esther Yu. Thousands of years later, Lord Devil's primordial spirit has since been imprisoned in the magical Haoshan Tower and has remained there for many millennia. But when, due to a mishap, our little orchid sets Moon Supreme free, 
Aha! Ho, ho, ho! He thinks to himself, twirling an invisible mustache. Now I'll be able to escape and smack down all the bitches in the god realms. All I need to do is sacrifice this hapless fairy, and I will be free to unleash chaos again and conquer the known world. There is a twist, however. In the process of setting him free, some magic appears to have taken place in the two swap bodies. Suddenly, the fearsome Lord Devil is trapped inside the body of a puny female fae, and Xiao Lanhua finds herself in possession of superhuman strength. If anyone learns what has happened, he assures her they will both be done for. But as they search for a way to undo the spell, love begins to weave its own magic. So Love Between Fairy and Devil is a 2022 Chinese scientia and is adapted from the book of the same name, one that has not been translated into English. According to Wikipedia, Xianxia is directly translated to the term immortal heroes and is a genre of Chinese fantasy heavily inspired by Taoism and influenced by Chinese mythology, Chan Buddhism, Chinese martial arts, traditional Chinese medicine, Chinese folk religion, Chinese alchemy, and other traditional Chinese elements. A Xian is an immortal or a fairy, a kind of transcendent being from Chinese mythology, particularly of Taoist legends. Xia is usually translated as hero or vigilante, but specifically implies a person who is brave, chivalrous, righteous, and defiant. So this series is heavy on the CGI, amazing on the costumes, explosive with the chemistry, stellar with the OST, and savage on the emotions. It's also the first C-drama we've done on the pod. So let's get into it. Uh, we'll start out first with the non-spoiler section. We'll let you know once we switch over. Okay, and one quick disclaimer is our apologies that, you know, I mean, I know that we already struggle a lot to um, try to like tonally get a lot of Korean words properly said. And so introducing Chinese tonight, like we have keys out. We've like listened to YouTube pronunciations of words. We are trying really hard. And I know it's not an excuse if we don't get it right, but we want folks listening to know that like, we understand that like we might sound as if we're making mistakes and you can feel free to reach out and let us know. But we, we do have keys out and we've been practicing today and that's no excuse for like, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to like be apologetic. I'm just trying to say that like, it's not like we don't care. Yeah, we do. It's just, we do care and we're not very I was it. in the car today, like practicing. <laughs> When we were driving and I was like, oh my God, I sound terrible. I'm trying. Like I am. I feel like my tongue is just like, it doesn't want to do it. <laughs> but one other caveat is that, um, so we have not spoken um, at all about C-dramas in the past, is in a couple of days, I'm going to be re recording a pod with a um, another podcast that is called the Tea and Soju podcast. And they really focus a lot on C-dramas. And so I'll be on there with um, Sarah from K-Drama This and kind of learning a little bit more about what the genre offers. Um, we're going to be sharing it out with our listeners. And, you know, I can ask some more questions on, you know, kind of get some hot tips or at least have them, you know, actively judge me for my mispronunciation. So, um, but yeah, like this is, this is probably not going to be our last C drama that we've watched because we really enjoyed it. Spoiler. And we will continue to work on getting words, you know, at least, at least to where we're not like hopefully making somebody want to poke their eardrums out. But we're so trying. That's my disclaimer done. 
Yeah, we're definitely trying. We're saying things over and over again. You won't hear the amount of times we try to say the names, but we are. Okay. So I saw a post on Reddit that I thought was kind of funny. And it was the five stages of watching Love Between Fairy and Devil are one, not a terrible beginning. Two, very tropey, kind of silly. Three, everyone's pretty and the CGI doesn't suck like most dramas. Four, huh, I thought Dylan Wong was a terrible actor. Five, this is the most important thing in my life. So that made me laugh. Do you agree or disagree with it? I don't know if I'm on board with all five. Like, I loved it from the beginning. And by beginning, I mean the animated intro with the song Love of Tsang Long, the theme song by Faye. This is one of those intros like Goblin and Pachinko that I don't skip. I love it every time. And yeah, it was tropey, but I love tropes. Tropes work. And then since this was my first Dylan Wong experience, I went in with no expectations other than knowing that you both loved Meteor Garden. And so I was not disappointed. Dylan Wong, his eyebrows, and voice actor Wang Baoshan slayed the role of Moon Supreme. I also want to say that I loved the animated intro so much. So I'm actually, I kind of had like almost forgotten just because I was so swept away by the show itself. But I'm glad you brought that up because it was really beautiful. And I liked it a lot. So I kind of agree with like some of these stages, but I kind of made my own. So let me just say what my stages were. Um, number one was, hmm, I'm not sure this is for me. And Leah liked this because it like, it feels sort of silly. And then, like, the the humor was a little silly. You know what I mean? I wasn't prepared for that. So, number two, well, it's freaking gorgeous, and Dylan Wong looks great with white and black hair. Number three, okay, now I'm starting to get the hype. Number four, I would die for Dong Fong. And then, number five, all capital letters, how will I ever recover (laughs) from the amazingness of this drama? So, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I like Dylan Wong in Meteor Garden. So I was, I, you know, like, you're not going to hear Dylan Wong slander for me because I did like him there. I just, you know, he has, he clearly can play the vulnerable asshole very well. So I didn't just like Dylan Wong in Meteor Garden. I loved Dylan Wong in Meteor Garden. And I know there is much chitter chatter on the internet about all the iterations of boys over flowers and i have yet to see the thai version which i know is meant to be very good however i love the meteor garden version caveat aside my stages went like this one this is pretty but i'm confused two i'm still confused but dylan wong is really cute and i hate myself because he is not of an approved age floor he is not three My heart really hurts and I am having physical fluttering. Four, water is leaking out of my face. Someone needs to hold me. Five, I am unable to function in life now. Pretty much. (laughs) That is where, I mean, I finished this a little past midnight last night. I was dozing. I was starting to doze at the end of episode 35 and I was like, No fucking way. You make it. You are not waiting till the morning to watch episode 36. And I like rally. You're not a quitter, Amy. You're not a quitter. (laughs) I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. And I worked from home today and I did my job. I did my job, but like poorly. (laughs) Like I did what I had to get done today. And otherwise I could not 
function. Like I kept like messaging you guys in Slack and I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this because I just need to like unburden myself of all of these feelings because I can't life right now. Like I just, I can't life. So on a scale of one to 10, I think, you know, we've kind of answered this, but what was your drama hangover after this? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) You can't measure my hangover. Immeasurable. Yeah, I'm like still in it. So I finished it maybe like two weeks ago. And I'm I'm really I'm struggling, guys. I tried to read a couple romance books that normally I would have been like, I know myself. And normally I would have been all over it. They were like totally my jam. Could not get into it. Could not like I I like skimmed a lot of it. And it definitely is not the book's fault. Like it's absolutely me. Um I tried to watch a Thai BL and like I love Thai BLs. So I just like I can't like I I just can't I feel like I almost can't be in a romance right now or something. So I've been watching The Last of Us on HBO Max, which isn't even a K-drama. But cause I'm like, I guess I'll just watch zombies because I can't. I'm like, still stuck in this hangover. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I mean, I'll I'll be fine. But I did post I, I cried so hard. And I posted a picture of my crying face on Patreon. And everyone sympathized. So thank you to everyone who did that. That's so funny because I took a picture of mine and I was like, I can't post this. Like, this is obscene. Like, the way I look I like I got punched right in now. the face. Like, my eyes were so swollen. So, yeah, I had to do a hard switch to do the glory for the pod. And then I've just been kind of racking up Ty BLs, actually, because for me, I think it's that I just haven't been able to get a cishet love story to work for me while I've, like, processed through this drama. And I think I'm finally ready to do that now, but, like, it's been six weeks. So, Amy, did you cry more? (laughs) I'm really belaboring the crying. But did you cry more in this or Goblin? It's really funny that you put this question on here because when I got here, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is exactly my thought process last night. I'm like, okay, which one, which one killed me more? And I think it's hard to say because I think I cried just as hard in both dramas, like to the point of swollen eyes and headache, but I definitely cried more often in Love Between Fairy and Devil. I would list like all the scenes that made me like hiccuping sob, but this is the no spoilers section. So just let's just say that I got in bed with my laptop last night to finish the last few episodes and had the audacity to not first grab tissue. And literally within the first like minutes of pressing play, I was a mess. And I had to like pause it, go to the bathroom, get like a wad of toilet paper, and then get back in bed because I was a mess. All right. So Megan, we did touch on the fact that, you know, I feel like Dylan Wong can get some hate out there in like drama land. I I truly, I'm not seeing why. Um, but given your experiences with that drama, what were your expectations of him in this role? And how did he disappoint or exceed those expectations? So first of all, I didn't, I don't like know anything about like, I didn't know he got hate. I didn't, I didn't know any of this. I think he's great. Like, I've always thought he was great. And I mean, he carried Meteor Garden with a very polarizing character. And I thought he did a fantastic job. I, you know, easily if there was like a man in that role who didn't hook me, it, the whole drama would have fallen flat. So I think he carried it. But I guess I would still say like my expectations were like, eh, like, I, I mean, I think he'll be good. And I, I don't know why, I guess, like, I, I mean, I looked it up. So he's 24 now. Okay. Meteor Garden came out in 2018. So he filmed that when he was like, don't, why are you doing the math? Well, I just, why, why? I guess, my, but it just, like, my point is he was like 
pretty, it was like a kid. He might have filmed that at like 17, 18, maybe. It killed me when I saw he was only 24. Right? I, I like, can't oh, believe he's only 24. But I, I guess, like, my point is, like, my expectations were still based on this, like, 18-year-old kid. And then he's, like, 24. He was a man. He was a he man was a in man this. in this. Yeah, and he also played, like, a high school student in Meteor Garden. So I guess I didn't expect right. him to hit me with, like, how, like, a, a man can hit my feels. Do you know what I'm saying? And so because of that, he completely exceeded my expectations. Like, I was... I was blown away, <laughs> honestly. I just, uh, like, <sighs> no one else could be Dong Fong. Like, that's just all there is to it. Absolutely no, no. one else. And um, this isn't really a spoiler because we actually already said it in the intro. Like, there's body swap scenes where obviously he has to, like, be Orchid. Like, and she, she is obviously a completely different character than him. She's, like, very sweet. And she has this, you know, she's kind of the girl who will, like, kick her feet. And she's, like, loves flowers. <laughs> so. He had to like he play was so her funny. and like so quickly too at the beginning of the drama. And I, I was like, oh my God, he's great at this. He's so great. Like, just, I loved him. I just, that's all there is to it. Again, you will hear no Dylan Wong slander from me. And his no. whole face changes. I mean, like, I would know if you just showed me a picture, I'd be like, oh, he's Orchid right now. Because his whole face kind of does that, like, like. Yes. Dude. Well, I was just, I was just going to say, I don't know if you saw that I posted the couple of videos that I posted in Slack. And one is a, like, an interview with the two actors, with him and Orchid. And they were talking about the body swapping. And she was like, you know, because he's like, you can do it with just the face. He's like, she's like, do me when I'm mad. Do me when, and like, he would just make the face. And it was hilarious. Because yeah, it was like his whole body her. posture would change. I remember there was like a scene, again, not yeah. a spoiler, but he was like, <laughs> he was like sitting on the bed on his like, <laughs> on his stomach. And I think his like, his like feet were kicked up behind him. <laughs> he's supposed to be this like, scary Moon Supreme, but he was playing Moon Ort. Supreme. Oh, so good. Yeah, there's times where he's like playing yeah! with his hair. That's he- <laughs> so good. I mean, he put his whole back yeah. in the role. He did. And his eyebrows. I can't stop with the eyebrows. Like, they deserve their own credit. His eyebrows yeah. are amazing. All right, Leah. Why can't you remember the name to this drama? Like, for real? Ever? So I am the one who calls all my children, like, every name in the house, including, like, the dogs and the cats and the lizards. So, I mean, I am going to use that as my excuse, that hand to chest. I can never get the English name of this drama right. Like, I just can I'm, like, blocked in it. So I'll be talking about it like, I just love, love a fairy and devil. You know, the drama Fairy Loves Devil. You should go watch the movie or the drama Devil and Fairy Love. So I just sound like I'm, like, the cracked out grandma that's always like, I just love that devil and fairy drama. As long as you know where to go to watch it, that's all that matters. Netflix and Mickey. And Aichi. <laughs> also, there's an anime version of it on Aichi as well. Oh. Or I don't know if anime is the right term, but there's a cartoon version. Okay. So, Amy and Megan, this question is for you. I watched this before the two of you, like around the Christmas holidays. While you didn't leave me hanging for years like you did with Mr. Sunshine, I did have to suffer alone for quite some time. What do you have to say for yourselves? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was on a book deadline, but also, like, what was I even doing? Like, what was I watching? Like, I went and looked at our schedule. I'm like, why was I not watching this? Like, what was life before Orchid and Moon Supreme? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't accept your book deadline as an excuse because you were like, <laughs> like Goblin rewatch. And I'm like, everyone should be watching this. And you're like, yeah, I mean, it looks all right. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> 
I mean, I would say my excuse is just like, I, it was different. And that just should, you know what? I kind of had the same feeling. I remember when I first started watching Crash Landing on You, and I was like, this is different. And I have to like, get used to it. I have to like, get comfortable. And it was like, kind of the same thing with Love Between Fairy and Devil. I had to like, get used to like the difference, you know, the language, the way the story was written. But then of course, like stories are universal. And as soon as I like really got into it and the characters and the love, then I was like, okay, this is everything. So I don't know why. I was on a deadline too. I was on a book deadline too. And then you made me watch the fucking The Glory, which fucked me up for a while. Nobody made you do anything. You decided. You decided to watch The Glory like the second it came out. But that's because we were going to watch it for the pod. And I just decided to knock it out, knock out those eight episodes that ended up not being eight episodes. (laughs) Knock out that really short drama. Anyway, so. This is how I. So, yeah. And you know what? I regret, obviously, waiting. I should have trusted Leah much more. Same, because I did have to then binge this, which. You would have anyway. Was both enjoyable and painful because. Of all the emotion all the time. I mean, the second half just, like, killed me. I watched this drama in three days. (laughs) How? (laughs) Over the active holiday (sighs) period. Um, By pissing off my fucking husband, who was like, what are you doing? It's like Christmas Eve. And I'm like, huh? Huh? (laughs) Go away. I've got to finish this show. I'm busy with orchids. You. (laughs) Kids, you want to have Christmas? Christmas is canceled. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm with Moon Supreme now. Okay, what even? What made you start it? Was it because Sarah was watching it? Like, what? Who got you hooked on it? Well, okay, so as gross and as inappropriate, and I acknowledge fully that it is not okay to have thought that Dylan Wong in Meteor Garden was attractive. I don't even want to think about it, okay? Like, I didn't have, like, big... I, I wasn't that gross, but I was, like, into... I don't know. What do I even say? I like him in Meteor Garden. Okay, you you were five years younger, too. Yeah, there you go. So get, give, your, give yourself a little wiggle room yeah. there. <laughs> so I was 38, and he was 18. <laughs> Great. That doesn't sound so good. No, and I mean, like, look, I wasn't going to, like, go call yeah. him up. I was just like, I really like him, and I am endeared to the role. I wasn't, like, going to, you know, go slip him my... I love how that's why you're DM. like, why did you do the math? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, like, join his, like, fan group or something. But I was just aware of him, and I thought he was amazing. Like, I was obsessed with Meteor Garden. And this was before... I actually didn't watch K-dramas because of Meteor Garden. Because I enjoyed Meteor Garden. I just fell into it randomly and enjoyed it so I much. And then I was like, oh, there's like Boys Over Flowers. And I like I like looked at it. I'm like, well, fuck. I don't want, like, look at that perm. Like, I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, like, no, they're not Dylan Wong. perm is not for me. And then I was like, I could do other K-dramas. But I was like, oh, like, why? I just like got so much happiness. I'm like going to just like bounce out of Asian dramas for a while. Which isn't okay. But I was just like so hungover from like my Dylan Wong experience. So when I saw him come back with this and have the hair, I was like, I'm fucking straight up in. Yeah, the costuming in this, like everything was just beyond amazing and gorgeous. So Leah and Amy, you're both fans of the new adult fantasy romance court series by Sarah J. Moss. Without specific spoilers, what are some parallels between Moon Supreme's character and the hero in that series? 
Leah, I want you to go first because you watched this first and you kept coming at me saying, Amy, he is resand. Like, Amy, he is resand. You have to watch well, this. Have to give it to- All I can say is if you know, you know. You know. If you read the court series and you really love the character of resand, you're going to like this character. Because I feel like, and I think, Amy, you do a good job of unpacking kind of without spoilers what it is. But in our last podcast, we talked about emotional boo-boos and kind of the fascination and love that many of us carry for a character who's like deeply damaged but goes through a healing arc. And Rhysand was a character that very much does that. And is a character who's also like, I mean, they're an anti-hero, but they do do bad things. Like, it's not like they have never not done bad things. But you find like the motivations why, and then that becomes more sympathetic, even if you're like, you have made some very bad choices. Yes. Right. There's like the moral gray area, but they're doing it for good, for what they think is good. Right. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to give spoilers for either the book or for, for the drama, but that was one thing that I found so compelling about this. And it's one thing that kept it was like the big stumbling block in the romance was this sort of moral gray area of how to solve the problem between the two tribes, basically. And I think that's a really well-written anti-hero is when you have that person who believes believes that they're the hero of their own story, right? Believes that they're doing what they're doing for their people, whatever, even if it means some horrible stuff for other people. Mm. That's super compelling. And, and that's why I, I love stuff like this. And you are 100% on the money. Like, I cannot give a better Western book comp than specifically the second book in that series, The Court of Mist and Fury. Which is the best one. Yeah, I mean, it is the best one. And I probably reread The Court of Mist and Fury. And I mean, you have to read book one to read book two. You can't just jump into book two. I don't like to talk about book three. No, no, no. No judgment if you love it, but it wasn't for me. But book two... I mean, I read book two once a year, probably. It's fantastic. All right. So what is, you know, because we're still in the non-spoiler section, um, what is a comp for this drama? And Amy, just bring out the dead horse. I mean, I have to. I'm going to say it. All right. Goblin. All right. (laughs) It's the only thing I can think of. Because I mean, really, I don't think that they're so wildly different, but there's a lot of like same sort of like tropes, right? And uh, universal fantasy butter. So it has so many of the same tropes, regardless of them taking place in such different worlds, the dramas. And I don't know if I can point out the similarities without giving big spoilers for each. But if you're into big, magical romances with tragic consequences, epic love that spans centuries, and heroes and heroines willing to make ultimate sacrifices for love, then both of these dramas. Yeah, I don't I mean, this is hard for me, because personally, I haven't, I haven't like felt and like I watched anything that was a, a good com, it's just so epic. And I really think that's because I need to get into the Chinese fantasy realm. Like clearly, I love it, you know. And yes. this just shows me that yeah, I need to get into more sea dramas, particularly fantasy. So look, I guess I might go for like Tale of the Nine Tail, just simply because <laughs> we're dealing with like a rich and layered paranormal world. Also, I thought a very nice kind of similarity and an enemies to friends type of bromance so it's not a neat comp but it vaguely works and then honestly another one that i'm gonna throw out that really doesn't have a lot in common but it's that grumpy sunshine vibe which is touch your heart so just something where like we've got a good grumpy hero like if you really like that grumpy sunshine that will work really well 
So before we get to our spoiler section, let's give credit to someone mentioned earlier, someone we never get to see in this drama, but who has a starring role, and that is voice actor Wang Baoshan. So before coming to this drama, I had heard that Dylan Wong's voice was dubbed and that this is a common practice in C-dramas, and I didn't understand why. And then I found an article on my drama list that explains, and the poster Ellie, who is a fluent Chinese speaker, had this to say, which is a really kind of simple explanation that makes a lot of sense. So China is a very big country. Thus, they have a lot of districts, provinces, and states. For each region, they tend to have their own dialects and slangs. There are even some actors that are not fluent in Chinese. Even if you have not watched a Chinese drama before, you should know a thing or two about how hard it is to understand a local's Chinese. Sometimes, even for someone like me, a fluent Chinese speaker, it takes a while to process what they're saying. Therefore, it is a wise choice for the production team to just find someone to dub over. What voice actors do are provide a standard and easy-to-understand Chinese where accents, dialects, and slangs are eliminated to keep the consistency. So I thought this was really interesting, and it made a lot of sense. Yet, at the same time I found this post, I also found a Chinese uh, C-drama reviewer on YouTube, not for this drama, but for C-dramas in general, who mentions that the flip side to this is that you get to know your favorite voices really well and then start recognizing them all over the place, which could take you out of a drama at times because you could be seeing like all these different actors but they all have the same voice because they're all being dubbed by the same person. So my question for the two of you, Leah and Megan, is were you aware of the dubbing when you watched? And what do you think about the idea of ubiquitous voices? Would it pull you out of the moment? Or would you just accept that many of your favorite main characters have the same voice just as many of your favorite K-dramas star Song (laughs) Dong-il? You guys gave me a heads up about the dubbing, but to be honest, I I didn't notice... So I think if I understood Mandarin, it would be more obvious because I would like, I think I would just be able to notice like the mouth. I don't know. I just think I would be able to notice. Like, I think I would notice like an English speaking actor being dubbed, but I, I don't think I, it just wasn't obvious to me. Um, cause I'm like reading the subtitles. You know what I mean? I really like that explanation though. And it kind of makes sense to me. Just, I mean, even some English accents from the UK, I can't understand them like flat out. Do not know what they're <laughs> like. It's so the accents are so thick. So it makes sense to me, you know, like I said, like, like you said, like China is such a huge country that you're going to get some dialects that are almost in like so difficult to, to understand, I guess, to like more of like the general populace or, or whatever. So that it makes a lot of sense. It kind of made me think of the idea and it's not dubbing that we do here in the US, but if you think of, you know, anybody who works in broadcast news, that no matter where you're from, like one of the things that people do when they get into broadcast news, especially if it's going to be national or international, is they adopt that sort of generic Midwestern accent to be able to do that. And that's, that's why you'll see like, you know, if you're seeing somebody on, you know, something like CNN or or whatever, you know, they're going to have most likely an indistinguishable accent or dialect they're gonna sound probably like yeah and they also (laughs) like this bland midwestern right and they also follow follow kind of like they they the sentences are in the same format like how they um like everything is just the same yeah like yeah like intonation and that intonation thank you that's the word i was like (laughs) intonation 
It actually makes me think of going back to like old Hollywood too, where, you know, there was that like fake, like sort of mid-Atlantic accent where it was like, you know, come here, big yeah. boy. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that kind of thing where it's like, they're not British. They're not American. What is that yeah. accent? And it was just this like sort of accent that you adopted yeah. in the early years well, of Actually, it makes me think of Peaky Blinders. I can't watch Peaky, Peaky Blinders without subtitles. Yeah, I, I have, have no idea watch, what they're saying. I have to watch no Peaky idea. Blinders with subtitles as well. And I'll bring this question also to, uh, you know, the podcast I said I was going to do with K-Drama This and T and Soju. And so I'll ask them yeah. about it, too, because I'm sure they'll have a lot of good perspectives about it. And for me, did I notice? Yes. But like, look, when I want to, I'll just turn my brain off to something. And so I just turn my brain right off to it. <laughs> and so I was like, I refuse to be like bothered or notice it. And so I am going to just keep watching. And I didn't know, I mean, because I've never heard Dylan Wong's voice before because I didn't see media, I didn't watch Media Garden yet. I will say yet. Uh, so I didn't know. And the only reason I knew this before is because Sarah from K-Drama This had posted about it on Instagram. And she's like, you know, at first I was disappointed, but it's one of my favorite voice actors. And so I was like, oh, so this is a thing. And I wanted to learn more about it. I don't know what, you know, because it's only our first C drama, I don't know what it would be like to then go watch a bunch of dramas with a bunch of different actors that you see visually mm. being voiced by the same person. You know what I mean? Like that would be an interesting experience. And I don't want to belabor this point, but I have, I mean, p enough people have commented on it that I think that it would be odd not to mention it is that the heroine's voice is very distinctive and it's very high. And some people had reactions to it. And so I really liked the heroine and I really had like no problems with her characterizations and how she evolved over time. So like, is it, is it something that some people might find distracting? Yes, they have. It personally didn't affect me or my viewing of it. And it is her real voice. And I'm not knocking her real voice because by the time you get to the end of episode one, it's her acting too. And it's meant to be that because that voice fits Orchid. And then when they body swap, her voice fits Dongfang Kinsong. And then later in the drama, as her character evolves, her voice changes with the character as well. Yeah, I think her voice, it was just very, very high and very, you know, sort of innocent sounding, but it goes with the character. And it, yeah, it didn't. And she's an ingenue me. character. And so it kind of fit that for me. Yes, and it's meant to be like that. She wasn't boring ingenue. She wasn't a water bottle character to me. No. All right. Well, let's get to our favorite part of every week, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. And I also, somebody wrote to us and was like, why don't you play the K-pop music when you do the K-pop wreck of the week? And I was like, that would be a lovely thing to do. And we would really like to do that. However, there is copyright and we can't just be putting... It would cost yeah, us millions of dollars to purchase the music to share it. So that's why we do, you know, we do have the Spotify that Megan has, and I will start adding all the songs to the show notes as well. Okay. If you go to our website, which is afternoonadelight.com, we do have our K-pop rec playlist there. So you can find it easily in, from Spotify. And then I will start putting it in the show notes for the pod too, just so folks, because I mean, obviously it's fun to listen to what we're talking about with kind of some immediacy. But if anyone was wondering why we don't do that, it's because we're not Beyonce and we don't have money to pay for those rights. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to go with a girl group and I don't know how to pronounce their name. It's It might be like Viviz. It's V-I-V-I-Z. And they just debuted in 2022. But I think some of their members have been in like other groups. You know what I mean? 
and the song is called Pull Up, and it's just fun. Like, I just love girl group songs. They're just kind of fun, and they're kind of like, the bass is kind of hard-hitting. Like, that's always, you know, songs that make you want to dance. It's always my favorite. So, yeah, today's rec is Pull Up by Vivis. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So what kinds of things do you both like to do when you drive? Pay attention to the road? Is this a trick question? All right, how about when you fold laundry? Why am I folding laundry in this scenario? Read, friends. I was trying to get you to say read. You could just ask us if we like to read when we drive or... Wait, how are you reading when you're driving? With Audible. You know, our sponsor, who is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. I listen to audiobooks on my commute to work in the car. Oh, yeah. I totally do that. I love my Audible subscription. Then why'd you leave me hanging with the whole driving thing? Forget it. It's not important. What is important is that now our listeners can get a 30-day free trial of Audible Premium Plus from Afternoon of Delight. Do you know what they get with that free trial? Actually, I do. They get one audiobook credit, two if they are Prime members, which is good for any premium selection, and they get to keep that audiobook. They also get the whole Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, like Afternoon of Delight, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. And with the Plus catalog, you can listen all you want, no credits needed. And Audible sends you a reminder email before your trial ends. Sounds like a great way to spend 30 days to me, especially if you're heading outside for a walk, have a long commute to work, or just want to hear one of many talented narrators really bring your book to life. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash afternoon to sign up and you're ready to download your first listen. Enjoy! So now we are in the spoiler section. So if you do not plan on watching the drama or you don't mind spoilers or you've seen the drama, stick around. If not, this is your off-ramp and you can come back after you have sobbed yourself into a little raisin. Megan and Amy, how do you think that the heroine demonstrates agency or doesn't? I think Orchid is a force to be reckoned with. Like, even when she doesn't know how strong she is, she does what she wants 
when she wants, even when she thinks that Moon Supreme might kill her. I mean, she even beats him to the punch. She beats Dong Fan Song to the punch by proposing to him before he can propose to her. She asks him to marry her, to be her husband. And like, I just, I loved it so much. She makes this bracelet and she asks oh. him to marry her. And and you can tell that he's like, what the fuck? I was just going to ask you that. It was so cute. And then he puts the bracelet on. Yeah, I, I mean, it. she has sort of this, we talked about her voice. I personally did love it. But she does have sort of this like damsel in distress voice. And not that I don't love like a good damsel in distress. So like, don't get me wrong. But she's just so so much more complicated. She's smart and she has morals and ethics that truly make sense to her character. And she's always true to her character. Like she's always true to herself. And I think on the surface, it seems like her character doesn't have that much agency because she's sort of this like fairy worker bee that's basically like she was told what to do and she just did her job. And then she's also kept as like a hostage or sort of a hostage prisoner for like over, you know, half the drama. But in reality, she does have a lot of choices and she makes her choices with care and thoughtfulness. And you almost kind of always knew the choice she was going to make, like truly in your heart as you're watching it. Cause, cause she's written so well. She's so consistent. And when it's revealed that she's a goddess who's essentially, you know, I'm boiling it down, but um, whose job it is to, like, bring peace, it all makes so much sense. Like, because she was always that in her heart. I guess it didn't feel like this, like, deus ex machina. When it was revealed that she was this goddess, it felt like obviously that, I mean, obviously it was written, but I just mean there's a lot of times in in shows and dramas where you feel like that was like thrown in. And in this one, it didn't. It felt consistent and right. And I loved it. It was carried throughout it. Like it, it built was. onto that. Like mm -hmm. she didn't know why, but her blood could like bring plants back to life, right? Yeah, I feel like it was always foreshadowed, but yes. you don't. You don't know, you don't know. What it's foreshadowing. Like you have no idea, but exactly. yet you look back and you're like, oh my God, that was foreshadowed um, many times. And it's, again, so consistent with her character. What is Moon Supreme's core wound or emotional wound, which if you listen to our last podcast, you'd know all about? And how does Orchid help him heal from that? I'm sorry, I went deep on this one. <laughs> no, I love it. Go. Um, okay, so I'm going to divide this into magical wound and natural wound. So Moon Supreme's magical wound is that his emotions were tortured out of him and the life force, it was drained from his seven emotions tree so that the emotions would not cloud his judgment as a ruler. But the natural wound of all of this comes from who removed his emotions and how Moon Supreme perceived that. And it was Dong Fan Kinsong's father who tortured him to remove his emotions in order to be the Moon Supreme that the Moon Tribe needed. And what this gave us was a boy who loved and adored his father, feeling abandoned and unworthy of love by the one person who had the power to either give or take that love from him. Yes, Orchid initiated his healing by giving life back to his tree and planting some of her life force within him, but it was his reconciliation with his father and understanding that his father loved him so much that it pained him to learn that Dong Fan Kinsong was the one of his two sons with the power to be the Moon Supreme. He didn't want it to be Dong Fan Kinsong, yet at the same time, when he knew his son was meant to rule, because he was the only one who could, you know, wield Hellfire, he did what he 
thought was necessary to make him all-powerful because his father didn't understand that ruling with compassion was actually a greater power than ruling with fear. And that's kind of like Dong Fan King Song's arc is learning that lesson. I mean, yeah, you summed it up. I just want to add that that entire plot line of him of of learning that he his seven emotions tree was essentially frozen so he couldn't feel emotion and then him gaining those emotions back was amazing absolutely amazing and you want to know what what it reminded me of it reminded me of sometimes people talk about how like some mental health medication does that like when you're depressed depression is often an absence of feelings it's not like you're just sad it's that you literally feel nothing it's like apathy you know depression is is terrible like that because it's like an emptiness and i've heard people say that when they are medicated for depression they start getting their emotions back, but they come at like really weird times. So they'll like cry at like rain because it, it, <laughs> they're just like getting these emotions like assaulted back into their brain. You know what I mean? So they'll like laugh inappropriately or they'll cry at weird times because it, it needs to like kind of. It's rebalancing the chemicals. Yeah. Yes. It's rebalancing the chemistry. And it, it made me, it made me think of that. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know if that, you know, is at all what they, but it, it, I liked it because I just felt that that was such a universal thing. And I don't know if you have depression, maybe you would, you would like it because that is what happened with him. He, he, he would like, he was having a really hard time when these emotions started coming back because he didn't, he would like cry and he, he didn't know what to do, you know? And I just, oh my God. I was, I was also just super inspired. I was like, oh my God, I want to write a hero who like learns mm-hmm. how to like have emotion again like this. It was just, oh, it was just fantastic. All of a sudden, like talking about him like this has made me think I would say without giving spoilers, another good comp for a hero with not even similar issues, but kind of sort of, I don't know. I feel like it parallels would be Flower of Evil. I was evil. just going to say, actually, as I was saying that, I was like, ooh, Flower of Evil would work. Mm-hmm. The whole time you're talking about that, I'm like, that makes me think of Flower of Evil. And I won't say yeah. anything else, but just if you like this character, Dong Fan King Song, I think that you'll like Flower of Evil. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah that's very Okay, true. so picking one side character, <laughs> which is capitalized, underlined, and italicized. And in another color. Yeah, and, and another you color. All, and then, like, by the time, like, one of you goes, there'll be, like, nothing left for anyone else. By the time, like, Amy's motor uh, melts them all out. <laughs> what?! When I when I had you guys pick your top five dramas, and you're like, well, I'm going eight, but like, here's my top ten. <laughs> All right, so picking one side character, discuss their role in the plot, and were you happy with their B story? I picked one. Okay, so Good I picked um, I picked Shun Feng, Dong Feng Kinsong's brother. He was a complicated dude, and he lost his way due to hatred and vengeance, thinking that his brother murdered his father, and not knowing that his father basically sacrificed himself in order to fully destroy Dong Feng Kin Song's seven emotions. He was loyal to his people, but often let his loyalty get in the way of morality. So another sort of like morally gray character here. But still, he loved his brother, like once they reconciled, he learned from his mistakes. And I don't even look up how old he is. (laughs) 
afraid to say what I'm going to say next, but like, it was was freaking hot when he took charge to join in the battle at the end. He's not, I know he's below the floor, but he was freaking hot to try and free his brother from, you know, the grasp of the evil god, you know, trying to take over his physical body. The only thing that makes me unhappy with his B story is that he didn't have more of a story because he was definitely a compelling character and I would have I would have watched more with him. Yeah, he was sure. good. I loved him. I mean, this was really hard, honestly, because the cast was so great and there were tons of amazing side stories with great arcs. I mean, so many characters had like full arcs. But I'm going to go with Geely. She is a merchant who befriends Orchid, but I mean, I'm simp- I'm simplifying this, but I mean, it's a complicated plot, all of it. But she, it, she turns out she is a spy. However, she falls for Moon Supreme's kind of loyal, like, sidekick, kind of, Sean Chue, or Black Dragon. Although I do have to say, as an aside, like, I still don't understand how a man who can shift into a massive flying dragon... I don't know how he's less powerful than the Moon Supreme. I know the whole Hellfire thing, but he's a fucking huge flying dragon. And he's massive. Anyway, so Geely has, you know, a pretty classic core wound. I don't I don't want to like diminish it, but it's just, you know, it's it's a good emotional wound that that is tropey and we've seen before, but it's done really well. So she grew up poor and an orphan. So money and survival is everything to her. And she admits that it's selfish. Like, she's selfish. She's like, my main... Because no one ever puts her first. So she's going to put her first. And to a degree, I, like, love that about her. I thought she was really funny, too. She was. And I loved her outfits, but whatever. I loved her hair. Yeah, I loved her, her hair. That, like, pinned yes! forward. I want to do it. She was so cute. But in the end, she she's also part fairy, which is a plot twist that I didn't see coming. So basically, her mother was part of the moon tribe, and her father is of the fairy realm. And that does come into play um, as part of the plot. But I like how she she came to basically see the sacrifices of others for their loved ones. And I'm also always a sucker for a character who thinks they are unlovable, and they're forced to accept love. Like, Orchid loved Geely. No matter what she did, she was always accepting of her friend. And you could see like Geely like starting to crack. And, you know, in the end, she was willing to put her life on the line for Orchid and her beloved Black Dragon, which I, their romance was like so pure. Like Black Dragon was like kind of a himbo. Like, <laughs> it's just like this big, innocent freaking dragon. And I, and I just loved What's him. What's a himbo? A himbo is like a bimbo, but a. <laughs> Oh, is it a, hem- a Hemsworth bro? <laughs> no, it's like a he, like a like a himbo. He, but a bimbo. Anyway, and she got an HEA with her black dragon. And it made me so happy because I do think she deserved it. Because I truly feel like she tried to do a lot of the right things. Yeah, I thought she was great. And she was really cute. So I'm going to just give a quick shout out to Don Yin. We meet her as kind of the bullying fairy. So no, she is not burning Orchid with like a hot iron. She's not like a total psychopath, but you know, she's not nice. And she's a pretty privileged daughter of one of the senior immortals. And she hates that her crush, Chong Hing, is crushing on Orchid. And as a result, she just does not act her best. However, and this was such a relief, she's not just there to make Orchid not like the other girls or fairies. (laughs) And 
over the course of the story, like at times she's quite supportive. And look, in the end, I think something great about her arc is she ends up not needing a man. Like she's a queen in her own right. Actually, she's better because she becomes a mother effing war god, replacing like, you know, her old crush who she becomes friends with and doesn't want to be war god anymore. And so she's like, yeah, I'll be war god. And I'm like, yes, you do you, Donyan. You do you. I-, I thought that was one of the best endings for all the characters. I loved that about um, Yeah, she Donyan. was great. Yeah. So there were a lot of morally gray characters in the story. How do you feel like that contributed to your enjoyment or not? I think we've all kind of expressed our love for like the morally gray character. And I, I love it, especially when it's a main, like the main hero. I love it because I think that gives the most room for growth. But I also think it, it makes them unpredictable too, because you don't know what decisions they're going to make because they're not playing with the same sort of moral deck that you are. Right. So yeah, I think that keeps you on your toes as a, a viewer and makes the story more interesting. And like, come on, it's the fantasy of like loving the bad boy too. The bad boy who's really got, you know, the marshmallow center in the heart. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you have Orchid who's like the moral high ground always, pretty much the entire drama. And then everyone else falls on a spectrum like below that. <laughs> and you, right. And you kind of don't know where in the spectrum and how far they're going to fall. Because some fell pretty far before they were able to, like, come back up. And then how about pick one's one? <laughs> Bolded, underlined, italicized, and another color scene that gave you epic romantic fuzzy. So when Orchid is celebrating with the Moon Tribe ladies, like, they're kind of, like, having a little get-together. And they're, like, dressed up in their, like, Moon Tribe outfits. And Dongfang kind of, like, hides behind like a tree because he just wants to like make sure she's okay you know because that's that's who he is he's kind of like a stalker and you know we all know he has this ring because they're like connected by souls and they can he can feel all her emotions but he has this right this jade ring that essentially protects him from her emotions but he so he's hiding and he takes off the ring and i love because it's kind of like like slow where he's like thinking about it. he's like twisting and he takes off the ring because he I think he wants to feel her I think two things he wants to like make sure she's happy and then I think he wants to feel that happiness because that's really the only way he can feel happy at that point is through her which I don't think we fully know that yet I don't think we really know about his like frozen emotions at this point and then he makes the blossoms he just does this like little twirl of his hand and he makes all the blossoms from the trees rain down on the women and of course they're all like yay and like dancing among the flower petals and he's just there and he smiles and i think it's like one of the first times in the drama that he smiles but it's like this little secret smile as he just stands there with his ring off while orchid and all the ladies are like twirling in the flower petals and i'm just like are you kidding me like that i just everything about that scene i think about it a lot and i love it so much and so it, it just good. everything about it feels so romantic to me because he did it it's like he wants to feel the happiness but he also wants to make sure she's happy like that's all he wants he just wants her yeah. to be happy can I just like give a shout out to like the cinematography in this Ugh, and that so like 
the like snowy blossoms, which happen so often in this drama, is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's like imagine if you were if it was just like if it was cherry blossom season all the time, and that's this drama. Right. They're just like floating through the air whenever it's like a happy time, and I love it so much. So look, I'm just going to go, there were so many that I just decided to go with when was the first time, as they say in K-drama, that my heart fluttered. And so my very first flutter, the very first inkling I had that this drama might become a real problem for me. And that is when Dongfan Kingsong collects dew for her at the beginning. Because, you know, she needs that morning dew to thrive and he's just out there chilling and it takes so long and he's standing there holding <laughs> the thing and that's just when i was like oh this is gonna be a real problem isn't it because he's like so grumpy yet he's gonna like do the things and i love i love a grumpy hero but also a good mm-hmm. man oh he's so grumpy when he collects that dude oh, it's great i love it yeah. i know but he kind of likes doing it he kind of deep down likes doing it he just can't admit it to himself yet one thing i want to say really quick before i even get to mine that i We've talked about it, but we haven't really said it. Like they are connected by this curse. They're connected by this one heart curse. And so that's, it is this thing. It's because of who she is, right? But we don't know that she's a goddess, but it's part of who she is that when they first meet and they accidentally kiss and they do the body swap, they also become connected where basically like he can feel her feelings and he can feel her pain. You know, whether it's happy or sad. And that's also one of the things that has kept her his prisoners because if she dies, he he dies kind of thing. And so that's another great like obstacle in the romance is this thing that whether they want to be together or not, the only way for them to both survive is for them to both survive kind of thing. And I love that. But my little romantic fuzzies moment was in episode 27. Um, and talk about this is another good sort of agency moment for Orchid, because it's when Orchid is saying goodbye to Chung Heng at the shore, and tells him now that she knows the full range of emotion that she understands that her affection that she's always had for him has been gratitude rather than love, and that she does not love him. And she gives him back the firefly stone and Basically, in doing so, is telling him that her heart is with, you know, the Moon Supreme. And Chung Heng graciously accepts her decision, even though he still loves her, and then he leaves. But meanwhile, like, they have gone off to talk privately away from Dong Fan Kinsong, and he's, like, just kind of, they're on this shore, they're on the beach, and he's just kind of, like, shuffling his feet in the sand. And, he, you know, he doesn't want to know what they're talking about, yet he does, and it's, you know, it's very cute. So, you know, he's been out of earshot, and then she comes back to him and, you know, he wants to know if everything went okay. And she's like, well, actually, I'm kind of tired. And I don't really want to walk all the way back. And then like in the tropiest of tropey moves, this is Moon Supreme in like his Moon Supreme garb, like the long black robes and everything grabs her and throws her on his back and does the tropey piggyback ride. And that just made me so happy. We're all, you can't see us, but we're all like giddy smiling like right now. I like, it's like I, when that happened, I was like, I, ca- I can't even believe that just happened. And I do want to <laughs> say one thing, because I'm known as not being a love triangle lover on this podcast. This was a love triangle that I loved done right. Yes. And this, and there were a couple reasons. I hate, so actually, now I see why. Remember how Leah was like, or maybe it was you, one of you, or maybe it was both of you said, like, you want the love triangle to actually like, be good. You don't want it to be like so obvious. And like, because Chong Hang is a good choice. He's a good yes. dude. And you like him. And he also has a wonderful storyline on his own. 
And it's, it's, it's very good about like his brother and things like that. And I always, and I never, well, I never let, what I thought was going to happen was he was going to die. And I hate that because I hate when a choice is like forced on Mm -hmm. the heroine. Mm -hmm. And I also love that her choice wasn't based on anything that like Chong Heng did. Like he didn't end up having to like betray her. And then she was like, you betrayed me. So I'm not choosing you. Her choice was solely based on her feelings. And it was her choice. She got to make it. In a time of kind of like peace, she got to think about it. Like the drama gave that room to her. And I loved it. I loved it. Yep. Really well done. So (laughs) what is one scene that made you cry yourself into a human raisin? Okay, so this is the one where I got in bed last night and I started watching. And I was right at this scene. And I was like, who the fuck am I kidding? Like, I can't handle this. So this is when Dong Fan Kinsong accepts that his 500-year marriage to Orchid is only a dream, that he knows that she's dead, and that the dream world that he has been, you know, imprisoned himself in, it starts crumbling around them as she cries and insists that she's real. I'm going to, like, lose my shit right now. I'm going to lose it. I'm, like, seriously, cries and insists that she's – I'm going to start crying. Insists that she's real and begs him not to leave. Like that scene, I sat down to watch when I first got in bed and dared to tempt the gods of sea drama by doing so without a box of tissues. And I lasted like 90 seconds and had to run to the bathroom and like I said earlier and get, um, get toilet paper. Like you knew he had to come out of the dream, right? You knew he had to realize that you knew it was not the end of the drama. You knew he, if he was going to die, it wasn't going to be that way, but like, him accepting it and this sort of conjuring of her, you know, in his dream world, begging him to stay and touch me, I'm real. And oh my God. And meanwhile, the whole like fake Arbiter Hall is like crumbling and rising up and it's gorgeous. Like it's the best CGI to ever CGI, like this scene, I think. I can't. I'm because, oh my God. So <laughs> I cried, I did cry several times. So I, I, you know, there were different scenes, but this one, particularly what the one you I, I like i don't mean to be repetitive but i i it's this one it's what you talked about when that arbiter hall is crumbling around them and she's Ugh. begging and crying and he knows she's not real and he knows the only way he can possibly bring her back to life is to like get out of this dream and he doesn't want to leave and i remember i messaged leah as i, I like I, I like had just gotten to the beginning of that episode when he's like lying there, like when he's like, you know, in, in that dream and he's just lying there surrounded by like his burning primordial spirit. And I said to Leah, like, look, if you're not willing to like burn up your soul to stay in a dream with me, then like, I don't want you. Like that is like, <laughs> that beats the tunnel of love that beats the hell knife bridge. Like, I'm sorry. It beats That's everything. all that I'm looking for on Tinder, you guys. Like, yeah. that's all I'm looking for. Yeah, if he's not willing to burn <laughs> his soul to stay in a dream with you, then, like, why bother? Why bother? No. And, you know, that in that entire thing, too, where, oh, my God, I just can't. I can't take it. I can't take it. I was crying so hard in bed. I mean, I was writhing. Oh, yeah. I was in bed. I was in yeah. physical pain. I had to mm-hmm. get up. I was going to wake my husband. I had to get up. And I went downstairs. I couldn't turn lights on because, like, I almost didn't want to like i just wanted to stay in my dark like weeping habitat and <laughs> i sat on the couch in the dark and just i had a, a pile of tissues 
Yeah, I was a mess, an absolute mess. But I mean, it was it was incredible. I, I just I don't know how else to say it. Like that scene is so good. It's tragically beautiful. Oh and the thing is, I kept crying after that. Like I cried for the next three episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because I mean, I'm not going to diminish like all the heartache at the be- like towards the end and like with the romance, but the thing that got me by like the throat really was when he met his dad's spirit and had to reconcile with the past. And especially when we get the context that like Orchid discovers that his father had like fixed the broken zither that he had made (laughs) and had saved his little favorite wooden ball. Like they were special treasures. And really the dad had basically decided the only way that my kingdom can exist is if my son becomes this like unfeeling monster. And my job basically is while I'm sad about it, like my duty means that I have to make my son an unfeeling monster and make him kill and me. make him kill me to destroy his final emotion. So, Cause he has to, he has to commit, he has to make commit patricide because he had loved his father. He'd been like the beloved son. And once they realize, like, oh, you're it, like, you've got the hellfire in you, it was like, shit, man, like, we gotta, like, turn you into a weapon of war. And yeah, in the end, the dad even sacrificed his own life for his son to turn into this, like, yeah, kill his emotions, become completely feared, have his brother hate him, and become the baddiest of bad guys. And then he goes down into the, like, what was it, the river of forgetting or something and then find something it's basically like where souls are oblivion wasn't it oh yeah oblivion Oblivion. yeah and then he meets his dad's like primordial spirit and they have this bittersweet reunion where you know that kind of stuff just always kills me like the parents and children absolutely But like his dad just wanted him to kick the ball and he didn't kick the ball and then his dad's spirit disappeared and i cried so hard that that was the it just it hurts. It hurt. I know. I, I cried because she orchids like kick the ball, kick the fucking ball. Yeah, she's kick like the what ball. Are you He's doing? always gone. Kick the ball. Oh, and the, the, and the fact the that ball. like she was like, we need to do this. Like we like you know what I mean. Just the fact, just she had. She's so good, yeah, and she like knew what to do because she's like a good person. And and that's another thing too. Like it wasn't just like the plot sweeping her along like she was like no this is the choice we're gonna make and i fucking loved it so good do you have any quibbles or something to unburden yourself with look i know all the storylines are important however we were here for moon supreme and orchid we were here for the black dragon and jaylee okay we were here for Zhang feng and he didn't get a romance but that's okay we were here for dan yin and her <laughs> Her growth and not need no man, but we did not need so much wrong how. <laughs> okay. Like there was a lot of time spent on him and his goddess master. And that was, I mean, this was an unhealthy relationship. <laughs> you think? Okay. This was a toxic relationship. I don't even know what kind of relationship it was because she turned him into an immortal when he was a child. So I don't know what he was a homeless, blind child. That she took in and had him made immortal. And then all of a sudden he's got all these powers and she's a god of war and she, you know, sacrifices herself in war to save her people, like all good, you know, goddesses do. 
but he can't live without her. So he has kept her alive for 30,000 years, feeding her with evil spirits. He finally has the last of her primordial spirit and is able to bring her back to life. She just wants to feast on evil. Like, fine, great, good story. Like, she's supposed to be a vehicle for, like, the big baddie, you know, evil god to finally take over all the three realms. But, like, we didn't need so much time spent on them. I missed Orchid and Dongfan Kinsong when when they were away, and I found myself watching the wrong house scenes at a higher speed. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of him. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there. And like, that was one storyline that that I would say, yeah, it, it drove me a little crazy. And I wanted to shake him. Because I was like, you bozo. <laughs> like your master wouldn't want this. And you're supposed to like know her so well. And she's like, again, she's like a good person. She sacrifices for all these people. But yet you're like killing people to keep her like she would be so pissed at you, you dumbass. Right. And feeding her with evil chi. Yeah. Chi-. I will say their joint death scene was fucking awesome. That was yes. so good. That was so good. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, I have a couple little quibbles. Um and I do agree that that those like parts went a little long. So one is the torture device thing that they had to go to in like the sarcophagus. Um, yeah, the sarcophagus. It reminded me of the Chokey from Matilda. Sorry, my dog is nearby. Do you know? Do you remember the Chokey? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever no, read? No, my Mat- daughter did the musical of Matilda, and I don't remember this. So yeah, I mean, I've definitely read it. I don't remember. Punchbull, who's like the baddie yes. school teacher, has built this th- instrument of torture called the Chokey. It's got like it's full of like nails. It's so you can't move. It's like basically an Iron Maiden, and that's essentially what they built. Was they built the Chokey from Roald Dahl's book. And the second thing I want to say is at the end, I was not expecting Orchid to become Baby Groot. <laughs> because she was, she was so Baby, baby Groot. Groot. Oh my god. <laughs> and he's walking around with it. That was hilarious. Yeah. And so if you've seen Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy and Groot dies to save everyone, her story at the end, she is Groot. She is Groot. And then they bring her back and she's Baby Groot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm never gonna be able to unsee that now. And I can't believe that didn't hit me last night when I was watching. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk on that. So thoughts on the ending? Too little or just right? I want to say too little because of course I want more of Orchid and Moon Supreme until the end of time. But there's no more story to tell after he returns. Like I think it would have just been fluff where I don't think this story warrants a fluff ending. I think if a story is told well, it leaves you wanting more, even when no more is needed. And that's how I feel with this. Yeah, I mean, look, by the time he like appeared in front of her, I was so fucking tired. Like, I had just been through the ringer. I'd been crying for like an hour and a half. I was exhausted. Like, did I want more? Sure. But in that moment, I was really wrung out. Like, he was there. She was there, they got their ATA, and, like, I was happy with that. I truly was. I was, like, great. Like, because I was, like, do not put me no. through, like, one more thing. Like, I can't, I can't handle it. Like, I'm, I love, like, I, like, I'm not complaining. I'm just, like, I needed a break. And I just, I, I knew they had their ATA, and that's all that mattered to me. Because in a way, during the dream sequence, yes, we saw their ATA. That's like, going to be their 500. We know year what it's going to look Absolutely. like. Absolutely. We know what it's going to look like. So I, I know and I'm fine with it. Yeah. I look, I didn't need another scene, but I would have liked just a little bit more of the moment in returning 
because look, I feel like the whole drama was just an exercise and emotional edging and they took me to the brain. <laughs> yes. And I yep, was exactly. like, just give me like, you know, I mean, just like m- basically milk that part out for me just a bit. Like I want my prostate milk just a bit. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> No, I totally, I, I, I totally agree. I just want to add, I think it was someone on Instagram. Someone sent us a link to an article, I think. And, um, it's really, it talks about a lot of like Easter eggs I liked that it a lot. I didn't see. Yeah. So we're going to put that in the show notes. I just really, if you like really want to geek out on this drama, go read. I mean, we could do a two hour podcast just on this article. So like you, yeah, just, it's good stuff. <laughs> like it's like I couldn't even cover all the stuff that was listed. Yeah, but it's really good stuff. So I just wanted to like add that. We'll put it in the show notes because it's great. Yes. And like, I thank you, Leah, for getting us to watch this. I'm sorry that you had to go all through that edging by yourself it was during the holidays it was rough it was rough but it was worth yeah it. i'm glad thank you so much because it's this truly was one of a kind and it was an extremely special drama and i just i loved it so much um and i'll just say if you made it to the end here and you haven't seen it you must give it a few you episodes must. yeah i will say it did take me like four to five episodes before i was really hooked so just give yourself time to kind of you know marinate in the story you know marinate in the story marinate in the characters give yourself and time. don't don't think that you won't cry because you will like don't be like you know don't be like me don't make my mistakes don't get in bed with your laptop and no tissue and as much as i enjoy a really good emotional edging nothing melts my prostate more than having both of you apologize to me and tell me <laughs> i'm right well you are you, you were right, right leah i get that very right yeah tell me oh tell me again <laughs> oh my God. Right, leah. all right you were right. On that note. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm editing this shit out if we don't stop soon. I know. <laughs> I need to you now for a different reason. Oh, my God. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> okay. I'm Samnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonOfDelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!